Um, Shogos, I don't know what it is for you that you like about him. Um, for me, I think it's his social awkwardness. I like awkwardness, and I enjoy that aspect of his, his personality. I like the way he's very blunt with people. Sometimes, apparently, I can be a touch blunt, I've been told. No, no I know. Um, I, like, you know, I like the Deerstalker hat, which is um, he's only started to come in into the latest series of the BBC version. Um, I know I like Sherlock because of the joy he brings to the heart of Sean. Um, every time he's always talking about Mr. Cumberbatch. Um, I think we like it because he, he solves these seemingly impossible mysteries, doesn't he? Um, he seems such a genius, and there's something kind of quite captivating about that, isn't there? He seems to be rigorous when it comes to the truth, and he can see even the smallest details and help you understand what's going on with the crime. He loves facts. And I guess the thing with Sherlock is you watch it, and I don't know about it, but you kind of wish you could work things out like he can. You wish you had some of his kind of investigative spirit, if you like. Um, but the thing that I want to see this morning, which is quite striking as I've been looking at the start of Luke, is that actually I think Sherlock is a rip-off merchant. He rips off Luke, Dr. Luke, who writes his gospel. Um, because we're going to see lots of quotes from Sherlock Holmes this morning. And see, really, all he's doing is what Luke is doing here at the start of his gospel. Um, now, Luke isn't solving a crime for us. He's revealing a mystery to us. Okay? It's not solving a crime, he's revealing a mystery. And um, I guess, really, um, Luke, the guy who writes the gospel, he's kind of a combo of the two of Dr. Watson and Sherlock Holmes, because Luke is a doctor. Um, that's who he is. That's, that's what his job was. He was a doctor like Dr. Watson. Uh, but he's also a, an investigator. So he's like the perfect Sherlock and Dr. Watson combo rolled into one. And um, what he's going to do is we're going to see that, that Luke is going to investigate the mystery to do with Jesus. That's what he's going to do. And I guess because he's a doctor and he's kind of an investigator, he's not going to be easily swayed. He won't be taken in by, by things unless they actually happened. Uh, so it gives us confidence, I guess, as we, we come to read what he says. Um, he's like a, the forerunner to Dr. Watson and Sherlock Holmes. And I guess the thing I like about Sherlock is that he, he's really certain, isn't he? He works things out and he's certain about them. And that's what Luke wants us to be. He wants us to be certain about the things to do with Jesus. And we're going to see three things that we can be certain about when it comes to Jesus this morning. And the first one is I think we can be certain that Jesus really is God's plan. And so just look with me at the first verse of Luke's Gospel. This is what he says. He says, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. And Luke is saying that there's lots of people who have written about about Jesus. You can, in fact, read Matthew, Mark, and John would be other good places to go. I guess he's talking about them. Um, But he's saying what he's doing here, he's part of a long line of people who've done this who've done this, um, this work of looking into the mystery of Jesus. But he wants us to notice that Jesus has a backstory, if you like. There's a prequel. Because uh, you know what he said? He says, look, at these are the things that have been fulfilled among us. It's a fulfillment. Jesus is all about a fulfillment. There's a prequel. And for those of you who don't know, it's called the Old Testament. The Old Testament, if you like, is the prequel to what's going to happen with Jesus. In the same way that the Hobbit is the kind of the forerunner to the Lord of the Rings. The Old Testament is the forerunner to the New Testament and all the stuff about Jesus. And I guess if you read the Old Testament, these are the kind of things you would be expecting Jesus to fulfill. You'd expecting, well, there to be a promised saviour. That's what the Old Testament talks about. The Old Testament talks about a promised anointed one, a Messiah, a Christ. Uh, the Old Testament talks about a suffering servant. The Old Testament talks about one who would rise on the third day. 
The Old Testament talks about a hoped-for seed that we were looking at in Genesis last term. The Old Testament talks about someone who would be a light for the Gentiles. The Old Testament talks about someone who would bring forgiveness to everyone. The Old Testament talks about one who would, everyone in the whole world would hear about. And so when we read Luke's Gospel, Luke's telling us Jesus is a fulfilment, and so we should expect to see some of these things happen. Uh, Luke wants us to see that Jesus is not something new, just sort of popped up out of the middle of nowhere. Jesus has a backstory, and he's come to fulfill that backstory. See, if Jesus really is this person that the prequel talks about, we should expect Jesus to, well, save people. We should expect him to be anointed. We should expect him to suffer, to rise again. We should expect him to bring hope. We should expect him to be welcoming people who are Gentiles, not Jews. We should expect him to be bringing forgiveness. We should expect him to be talked about across the whole world. I wonder if we'll see him do that in Luke's Gospel. You'll have to find out. See, if you want to understand Jesus and be certain about him, then you should get to know the backstory. You should read the prequel. You should get into the Old Testament. Um, I was um, just looking at it. I really like Lord of the Rings um, and The Hobbit. And what um, watching it this week made me want to do is to read more of the backstory, to read The Silmarillion, which is another book by J.R. Tolkien, which talks about the history of the Middle Earth. You see, the more we find out about Jesus here, actually, we should make us want to read the Old Testament more. Because actually, we'll understand what he's doing more. Luke wants us to be certain that Jesus is a fulfillment. That he's not out of the middle of nowhere. He's a backstory. And he's come to, to come bring it all true. But I guess the question we leave is, so we can perhaps be certain if we're going to look at Luke's gospel that Jesus is a fulfillment. But can we actually be certain about what Luke writes? Is it all just made up? Well, here's, here's a little quote from, from Sherlock. He says, this is a really freaky picture, actually, I have to say. Um, he says, there is nothing like first-hand evidence. That's a, a quote from Sherlock Holmes in one of the novels. There's nothing like first-hand evidence. Um, and Sherlock Holmes, we, we all say he, we all like him because he's really good at investigating. He says this, there's nothing like first-hand evidence. Um, and I guess we all know that from doing history at school. Do you remember the primary sources of evidence? Do you remember hearing about that at school? Yeah, I used to love all that stuff. Um, and basically, that's true. That is the best sort of evidence. Um, but lots of people have said to me um, in the time I've been a Christian, they say, Joe, that Bible, it's just made up, isn't it? It's just all made up. Um, People say to me, someone just sat down and sort of imagined the whole thing and then wrote it down. Stuff with Jesus is just a fairy story, people tell me. It it didn't really happen. Well, let's see what Luke says and see where Sherlock has just stolen his investigative methods. Look at verse 2. He says, Just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Luke's talking about first-hand evidence, eyewitnesses, a primary source. He's saying his gospel and all these other accounts, actually, are based on the best proof we have, eyewitnesses, first-hand evidence. So when we read through Luke's gospel, which we're going to do over this term, we're kind of seeing Jesus caught in the act, if you like, people who saw what he did. And I guess as we read through Luke's Gospel, one of the things you can do is you can imagine, well, who told Luke that? Who is the eyewitness? 
And on some occasions it'll be hard because there's massive crowds. It could be anyone of the crowd. Other times it's Jesus talking to one person. So we'll know who the eyewitness is there, won't we? It's them. But that's a great little thing to do. As you read through Luke's Gospel, why not ask yourself, who saw it? Who told Luke this? I think what Luke is trying to say to us is, his account of Jesus' life is not fairy tale, but real history. And you can be as certain about what Luke records in his Gospel as you can about any other historical event. So, for example, in our quiz, um, the question came up, um, when was the Battle of Hastings? You, most of you, without any um, question of whether it happened, was 1066. And you said with absolute certainty that it was King Harold who died. None of you doubted that. None of you were there. I'd imagine (laughs) you're all quite young. And even if you were really old in this room, no way you were there. But why why did you believe that in 1066 there was a battle and King Harold died? I'll tell you why you believed it. Because an eyewitness wrote it down and you trusted what they said. And that is how you know anything in history. And so what Luke is saying is his gospel is no different to anything else that happened in history. If you want to know what's happening what happened in history, you go to the eyewitness and you believe what they said. And Luke's just saying, do that with this. Jesus is real history. I'm not asking you to take an imaginative leap in the dark. I'm just asking you to go with the first-hand evidence. You see, people saw what happened in history, and we believe it. Luke says people saw what happened with Jesus, and we should believe it too. We should be certain about it. Now, some people say, oh, Joe, come on, come on, come on. It's just all a bunch of Chinese whispers, this Jesus stuff. Um, someone said something to someone else, they passed it on to someone else, like in a game of Chinese whispers, and it got changed and changed and changed, and then we got this wonderful fantasy all about Jesus. Now, let me tell you that Luke's account is not a game of Chinese whispers. The guy, people who say that to me don't understand how Chinese whispers work. And who's, who's played Chinese whispers here? Yeah, see, we've all played it. It's a, it's a wonderful game. We all love it, don't we? Um, but what happens in Chinese whispers? One person whispers to someone else what they want to pass on. And the other person who they whisper to can't ask any questions. They just have to pass on what they heard. And then that person, without asking any questions, writes anything else, passes on, and so on and so on. So it's no wonder stuff gets changed when you play Chinese whispers. But the stuff with Jesus isn't like Chinese whispers at all. There's thousands of witnesses, and people are allowed to ask, sorry, what did you say? Did you mean that? That happened over in that place. If I went over there, would I be able to find it? Yes. You see, the Bible is not like Chinese whispers at all. It's thousands of different people who can ask questions, who can go and research and go and find out. The Bible is not Chinese whispers at all. It's something quite different. It's real history. And so I guess what we can say is Luke looks at the eyewitnesses and what Sherlock would say, Luke goes to the first-hand evidence. And there is nothing quite like it. What Luke has, what we have here in Luke's Gospel, is a compilation of eyewitness first-hand evidence. Uh, But there's more. Here's another quote from Sherlock. Data, 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 he cried impatiently. I can't make bricks without clay. Um, What's Sherlock saying here? He he reckons it's essential to get all the information together in one place to solve a crime. His method is clear. Get as much information as you can from as many different people and work out what happened. 
That's what he's trying to do. Careful investigation of even the smallest little details. Well, let's see where he got that idea from. Look at verse 3. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. Do you see what Luke's doing in compiling his good news about Jesus, his gospel? It's careful investigation. It's getting data, data, data. That's what he's doing. He's, you can just imagine Luke meticulously going over the written documents he has. You can imagine him going to all the people who saw things and talking to them to make sure it wasn't made up. He can imagine him piecing it all together in his mind map and working out whether it fits together or whether it contradicts each other. He looks at stuff from the beginning, which I guess means he's read the prequel, but also he goes right to the start of Jesus' life. Because in Luke's Gospel you get all about Jesus' birth and his teenage years and all that kind of stuff. He pours over every little detail. This isn't a made-up fairy tale. This is careful investigation. Oh, you can imagine, um, here's another quote from Sherlock Holmes. This is one of my favourite ones, actually. Having gathered these facts, uh, Watson, I spoke several pipes over them, trying to separate those which were crucial from others which were merely incidental. Now, you can just imagine, Luke, maybe pipe in hand or not, I don't really know. Um, But going over all the material he's got in front of him and working out which is the important stuff. Which is the stuff I need to write down here so that people can be really sure and certain about Jesus. You see, I think it's really clear that Luke, we can trust what he writes. It's first-hand evidence. It's careful investigation. And that means we can be confident that what we read is real history. It really, really happened. You see, and I guess the point then is, if, if it really happened and it's real history, it doesn't really matter whether we like it or not. We've got to deal with it. If Jesus says stuff, and it's real, we must take note. Well, we can be certain that Jesus is a fulfilment. We can be certain about what Luke writes. And finally, I think we can be certain and joyfully certain about who we are as Christians. Here's another little quote from Sherlock. How often have I said to you that when you have eliminated the impossible... Whatever remains, however improbable, must be the truth. It's a very famous Sherlock Holmes. He says this quite a lot in the books. He said it a couple of times in his uses. He said it again. How often have I said to you that when you have eliminated the impossible, whatever remains, however improbable, must be the truth? Well, what is the improbable truth about Jesus? However improbable it may seem. Well, that he's God seems to be one of the things I think we're going to be drawn to as we go through. If this is real history, Jesus is God. Or what about, um, here's something else. Is it, it seems sometimes to some people that it's improbable that God exists. But then if Jesus is real history, and what we have here is true, then God does exist. However improbable it might seem. And in fact it makes sense of the life and the world as we know it. But here's one of the things I think is the hardest for us to see is true, and it does seem massively improbable, 
here's the thing that can really help us um, see um, that God is like, he loves us. I think that's actually quite improbable. When I think about myself, if God is there, it seems massively improbable that he would care about me. That's what it seems like. Because who am I at the end of the day? I come from a very much a backwater town on the easternmost tip of a tiny island in a big world in a massive universe. And it seems massively improbable to me that if there is a God, he would want anything to do with me. Because not only am I from a nowhere place in a tiny island in a massive universe, I'm not particularly great. In fact, I'm pretty rubbish. And I don't really care much about him. And the improbably wonderful good news of Luke's gospel is that God loves me. You see, um, Luke writes this, um, this account to a guy. Did you see his name? Theophilus. Um, we don't have many Theophiluses these days, do we? Um, but do you know what Theophilus means? It means friend of God. And so Luke writes to this friend of God so that he may be certain of the thing he has been taught. Uh, what do people like Theophilus need to be certain of? That they really are God's friend. That God really does actually love us. And so Luke's gospel is written that we might be certain that God actually, improbably as it may be, loves us. He can, we can actually be friends with him. We can be certain, Luke says, if Jesus is real history, that we really can be God's friends. Because Jesus has come to bring forgiveness. You see, if Luke's gospel is just made up, well, then you can't be certain at all that God loves you. If it's made up, you can imagine there's a God that he may or may not love you, but you will never know. If it's not history, if it's not real, there's no certainty that there is a God and that he cares about you in any way, shape or form. But if, as Luke is claiming, this is real history, then you can be certain that there is a God and that he really does love you and he's gone to extraordinary lengths in sending his son, Jesus, that you might be his friend, that he might demonstrate he loves you. Which is why I'm really thankful that Luke is so rigorous. That he does go to the eyewitnesses. That he does carefully investigate everything so that now I know with confidence and certainty that there is a God and he loves me. And he's shown how much he loves me in Jesus. See, that's why Luke writes. He wants us to be confident that Jesus is God's plan to save us. He writes that we can be certain that Jesus and what he did really happened. And he wants that this, this knowledge that Jesus is real to bring us great joy. So one of the things when you read a book of the Bible, the great thing to do is to read the start and the end. And you'll work out where everything is heading. So let's just go right to the end of Luke's Gospel. Uh, Luke chapter 24 and see where all this ends up. And just look with me at verse uh, 52. Uh, Jesus, uh, verse 52. So Jesus has just gone up into heaven, and this is, this is the result of the certainty about Jesus. This is what it leads to, verse 52, chapter 24. Then they worshipped him 
and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continue at the temple praising God. And so what you have is the followers of Jesus, they they were sceptical, they were full of doubt, they weren't certain, and then Jesus appeared to them in his resurrected body. They saw him, and they became certain, and their certainty led to, what was it, worship, (coughs) joy. That's what it led to. See, this is my hope, and this is Luke's hope, I guess, as we read his account of Jesus' life, that we go from doubt, and I guess there's plenty of that in us, we go from doubt to worship and joy. That's where he wants us to go. He wants us to become so certain of what Jesus said and did that we can be joyful in our forgiveness because we know it is actually true. We can be joyful in our status as God's children because that's who we are. And we can be certain of the goodness of living Jesus' way. And I guess um, our aim this term is that that certainty leads to that kind of joy and worship that we might speak to others. Um, the big push for our church family this, this time is, is a called passion to life. We, we're desperate for others to have that certainty about Jesus. And here's a little final quote from Sherlock as we finish. He says, nothing clears up a case so much as stating it to another person. Nothing clears up a case so much as stating it to another person. And here's my experience of um, becoming more certain about Jesus. I was 17 and I was in sixth form and I, I made a good friend with a guy called James. And James is probably the most sceptical person I've ever met in my life. Sceptical about everything. The government, which we probably most of us are sceptical about now, uh, but he was very sceptical and very politically minded for a 17-year-old. Uh, but he would, he would say to me all the time, he would fire really difficult questions at me about what I believed. And at that point in my life, 17, I really wasn't very confident as a Christian. Um, I wasn't particularly certain, if I'm honest. I kind of believed it for, for all kinds of reasons. My parents wanted me to, that was a good reason, it seemed. Um, but the interesting thing was, as I met with my mate James week after week after week, and he fired difficult questions at me, I'd go away, so I have no idea what the answer that is. So I'd go away and I'd do some time thinking and reading. And I'd come back, and the wonderful thing was, there were answers. And I found out that the claims about Jesus really stacked up, and it made sense. And every difficult question he had, there was a, an answer that made sense. And so as I stated what I knew about Jesus, I became more and more convinced that it was true. Um, see, my hope, and Luke's hope as we read his account of Jesus' life, is that we become more certain, that we become more joyful, and more able to speak to others. Uh, So I'm going to pray that that's the case for us now. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for Dr. Luke. I thank you for his rigorous and careful investigation of everything. I thank you for his desire to get it right. And Father, I pray that you might give us certainty about what he writes. Not that we would just know it was true, but that we might know that you love us, that you can forgive us through your son and we can be your friends. And so give us that certainty, I ask, that we might have joy in those things and that joy might overflow to speaking to others. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Great, well, in your groups, um, just for...